Hello again. I am Will Daddario. This is part two of a project called Thinking Will, in which I think live through ideas that were given to me by friends and colleagues. It's currently about 9.30 at night. My children are in bed. I can hear cicadas clicking outside of my window. It's a perfect time to talk about death. Um, The theme of this episode is death on stage, death in life. Um, People who know me know that I uh, think about death, grief, what it means to live um, all the time because of uh, the death of my son and the unexpected death of my father, the unexpected death of my stepfather, the unexpected death of my friends, the unexpected death of my cat, uh, all huddled together in a two-year period, starting in about 2013. And um, since then, there's been a very slow sort of converging of the paths between my um, philosophical... Um, spiritual explorations of death and my work as a a theater historian historiographer and a uh, um, scholar of performance and uh, tonight right now those two paths uh, combine as I uh, talk about yeah death on stage death in life my mind really goes in so many directions at once with this topic because this is a good challenge to try to uh you know focus the trains so to speak um i guess the first thing that i think of is uh moliere i talk about this in my my theater history class but uh if ever there was a seriously funny death on stage, it was probably Moliere's. Um, Michel Léon, the uh, theater historian, writes about uh, the fact that it's it's pretty well known, accepted. I mean, it may not have happened, but people are ready to say that it did happen. That that Moliere actually died on stage, and that he died. Um, in a play called The Imaginary Invalid, in which he was playing a character who was pretending to be fatally ill. Um, you know, you just you can't make stuff like this up. Um, Moliere's entire theatrical life really sort of ripped the seam between the stage and uh, real life from plays that directly dealt with real life historical, I mean, political situations um, to plays that were just out-and-out commentaries on his own plays. Um, Moliere was really invested in utilizing comedy as a, as a weapon to sort of open people's eyes um, to, I think, how rationality was constructed at the time. Um, but, uh, he, like all people met his end, it just so happens that he met his end, uh, on the stage in front of people. And, um, I think Michelle Leone actually writes about, uh, uh, another book by another theater performance scholar named Nicholas Ridout, um, who has this whole section on, uh, corpsing on stage. I think the book is called, um, 
stage fright, animal, something like that. It's, uh, you know, it's not in the forefront of my brain right now, but the point is, is that um, in the United States, if you are learning, um, if you learn how to act, there always is the moment where you just blank entirely and you forget your lines. Um, and sometimes I, when I was when I was learning how to act, we called that going up, which is a, a very strange expression. Um, it, but it's as if everything just sort of vanishes into the air. Um, you can't remember anything, and you just sort of stand there. And it's you know it's the cornerstone of the actor's nightmare. Um, uh, but in 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 England, this same phenomenon going up is called <laughs> it's, it's called corpsing on stage. Um, which I really like because it's like uh, the life of the imaginary world, the the real tangible life of the imaginary world dies if someone forgets their line or something strange happens on stage that's not supposed to happen. The imaginary world dies, exposing the life of the actors, not the characters on the stage. And uh, I think Michelle Leon brings this up in her book about Moliere because... <laughs> Uh, Moliere corpsed on stage twice over. He sort of choked on his line, which again, I don't mean to, I actually don't mean to be punning so much, but he, he choked on his own blood as he spit uh, his blood out as he, as he said a line. Um, and, and, and that caused him to, in the Nicholas Riddout sent corpse on stage. And then he might actually have died, become like a, a real corpse on stage. So, it, you know, Moliere is the first place that my mind goes. Um, but I, I think it's important maybe though, with this topic to make a distinction right away which is that these are not uh, opposed realms, death on stage and death in life, for the simple fact that everything that happens on a stage in a theater is happening in real life. There is not a... other dimension does not open up. Well, I mean, maybe it does and has in certain parts of the world, but usually, let's say, in the United States, now when you go to theater, there's not another dimension that opens up that all of a sudden everyone's transported to someplace that's not life. You know, theater happens in life. So, theoretically, deaths that happen on stage, Romeo and Juliet die on stage, that's a death in life. But a really interesting question is... Why doesn't it affect us in the same way? There's the sort of practical reason, which is that if theater really was capable of having an audience experience the death of characters, like people in real life experience the death of a loved one, it's highly likely that not many people would go to the theater. Because who would bring that upon themselves? Who would really want to go do that? Go sit through an emotional devastation like that? Why would that happen? Um, and that might seem just like a, a fantasy or sort of funny thing to say or a joke. But of course, that's actually what theater might have been like in places like ancient Greece where the stakes were so high, the topics were so closely aligned with real political and often military excursions where people really did die and where the stakes really were all about life and death. People really might have, um, you know, view the death of certain characters as a profound either loss of an ideal or the uh, the death 
of a promise of something, maybe a promise of the budding so-called democracy in ancient Greece. So I think that maybe at one time theater did serve the purpose of, of fusing the stage with real life and frequently fusing it through the death of a specific character. But that's not the case today. So we have these, these, these two realms, and it seems like they're miles apart. It seems like someone dies in real life, you go through a major, uh, well, a major death of your own, really, when somebody, when someone you love dies, part of you dies. I mean, I really am a believer that I have died several times in the last several years, not in the final, final sense, but part of me is gone. Uh, a change has occurred since people have died. But when I go see a play, especially if it's a play that I have read before, repetition, right? If repetition is involved with this particular performance, then uh, it's not the same. I don't feel ripped open when I, when I watch the death of characters on stage. But this leads me to the thought, why not? You know, what would it take I mean, maybe that's not the right approach. Maybe it's more like, is this a matter of aesthetic education? Like, are we deprived of an education that would give us the sort of critical and empathetic faculties required to go into an artistic experience, like going to see a play in a theater and really experiencing everything that's going on there? as though it was as important as what goes on in our family lives or with our friends. You know, is the reason that we consider theater to be held at several arm's lengths away from real life, is that a failing of the way that we teach art generally, the way that we teach theater, the way that we approach theater? Or maybe actually the issue is something completely different. Maybe it's that when we go to the theater and we see a death on stage, we are actually involved in some sort of deep grief experience. But we lack the language to name precisely what that thing is. And so we kind of just repress it and keep it down as far as possible. I mean, this is not so far-fetched. I mean, I, doing grief work for years, you know, I, I watch as people struggle with the social scripts placed on grieving. And many people, though they do feel this deep sadness, anger, frustration after the death of a loved one, they push it down and go about their lives because they believe that the normalcy they had constructed is the balm that they need for uh, the pain that they feel, and they they just go about their lives. Of course, that's not great because that, that energy, that grief's going to find its way out in some way. But I wonder if something like that happens when we go and we see a death on stage in the theater. Perhaps we go and we see it and we do experience a deep sadness, but it's a sadness for something that we cannot put our finger on. It's a sadness for how we understand fiction in our lives, or it's a sadness for, I don't know, the death of the sort of dream world that, that theater presents for so many people. It's the death of an alternate reality in which whatever's being discussed on stage 
won't likely materialize because of the deaths of the characters. I'm not entirely sure. But I guess this topic is making me think that I want to be able to approach a death on stage with the same sensitivity that I would approach a death in life. And I wonder what that would feel like or would look like. I'm racking my mind at the moment and trying to think of uh, plays that that deal with this. Um, you know, and I'm trying to think of something that's not canonical, but it's been a while since I've taught theater classes, so my sort of like recall of plays is not great. You know, funnily enough, the only thing that I'm uh, I'm thinking of is Susan Laurie Parks' The American Play, in which there is a sort of rehearsed death over and over again of a black man who is impersonating Abraham Lincoln, and people pay for the right to go and, and assassinate Lincoln, and all this happens in a kind of uh, pit um, that's been carved out as a uh, sort of hollowed hallowed um, uh, theatrical home for this man's impersonations and uh, people come in one after another and get the click click pull the pull the gun's trigger and then shout whatever they want and uh, Abraham Lincoln dies over and over again this is a weird example to be pulling up because it's let's say it's 51 it's either 51 or 49 percent comic I guess depending on how you look at it but I wonder still, like, I mean, well, that's even a greater question. If the death on stage is comic, comical, what is the, uh, you know, what what is the potential comportment for that? Like, how should we be lending ourselves to that? I feel like really the best possible response to that uh, is like laughing very hard. I want to... Uh, imagine a world in which I go see Susan Laurie Parks's America play. I watch as this black man impersonates Abraham Lincoln and gets repeatedly assassinated by people paying for the right to, um, you know, to be uh, the assassin. And I want my response to be that I laugh so hard that it hurts. And then like a laughter that I can't stop. Because that laughter, which starts out as something that seems so funny, when it persists over and over again and my body starts to hurt, that is going to bring me to this emotional ledge where I start to wonder if I'm ever going to stop laughing or if I'm just going to die from actual laughter. Because that type of cusp between the serious and the funny, I mean, I... I think that's the appropriate realm for that particular play. Death on stage, death in life. Hmm. I'd love to hear what other people have to say about this. So if there's a particular death on stage that anybody can think of listening to this, write up some comments and uh, send it in. This is also perhaps a, a great uh, topic to revisit, given how many theater scholars I know out there so if anybody wants to pick up on this episode, on this topic with me and think through it some more, just let me know. All right. Now it's about 9.40 p.m. and I'm going to think about going to bed. <laughs>